Welcome back to Automotive Day at Global Supply Chain Week. My name's Kevin Hill, executive publisher here at FreightWaves, and now we're going to talk about modes and mode selection with John Godfrey. He's an executive supply chain consultant at Pirelli Tires, where he's got 10 or 15 years of experience uh, running um, running Pirelli Tires all over the world uh, out of Rome, Georgia. How are you doing today, John? Doing great, Kevin. Great to talk to you. It's, it's, it's always great to talk to you. Uh, it's been a little while, but it's, it's great to, to catch up right now. So, John, uh, you, you've, been, you've been through the COVID-19. We've all been through the pandemic. Uh, we've all uh, had some challenges with shipping, logistics, uh, the, the entire supply chain. Uh, how has selecting which modes or, or which modes have been the most challenging so far uh, for you? Yeah, well, I'd say all the modes have been challenging. Uh, we're seeing issues in everything that we ship, no matter how we ship it, from uh, sea containers all the way down to uh, air freight parcels, uh, uh, you know, coming across the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, specifically, if just you're looking at ocean, we're seeing a lot of congestion at ports on the West Coast and also in the Northeast. But we're also seeing occasional congestion in places like Savannah, Georgia, which we haven't really seen in a while. Um, and, uh, you know, Bad weather through the winter is something that you're always used to, but uh, really the port congestion is something that's really uh, hit us hard. Uh, in addition, uh, we ship a lot of freight transatlantic uh, coming from Europe or coming out of South America. And, um, you know, this freight, uh, uh, we've seen less sailings, uh, more transshipments. Uh, these are things that really lengthen your supply chain and make things a whole lot more challenging when you're trying to do just-in-time shipments to an OE, uh, you know, auto manufacturer. Um, and also, you've seen a lot of congestion at, uh, with uh, car uh, drayage carriers coming out of the ports. And um, then just looking at like full truckload capacity, it's been challenging. Rates have been going up. Um, and then with all the e-commerce business, um, you know, tires are really not a desirable commodity to be shipping LTL or parcel. So uh, we've seen a lot of challenges getting the correct capacity with LTL and then uh, parcel carriers like uh, FedEx and UPS. Um, especially during the holiday season. Um, stuff has been stuck at uh, local terminals. Uh, things that should be next day shipments are taking uh, upwards of a week. And um, so we've actually been looking at options, uh, doing some maybe dedicated transportation just around the regions of our warehouses. So that's Northeast or the Atlanta area or Los Angeles, Southern California. Um, we've also had to, uh, because of some supply shortages, we've had to look at air freights coming out of Europe. And really, these have been much more expensive than what we've been used to paying in the past. And in fact, sometimes some of our air freight requests, uh, we just can't even meet it. Uh, it's not a matter of money. There's just no capacity coming out of uh, Europe uh, to supply some of our uh, original equipment customers. So, um, you know, modes are challenging. And when you have capacity constraints, you have to go to the more expensive, uh, quicker modes. You definitely do. You mentioned, you know, transatlantic, uh, transpacific. Uh, what about uh, cross-border into and out of Mexico? How has uh, capacity been on, on that international shipping line? Yeah, so um, our largest factory in the North American uh, uh, region is down in Mexico. And uh, we get um, a little short of uh, half of our supply for the United States out of our Mexican factory. Uh, it was certainly a challenge there at the end of the third quarter coming into the fourth quarter. We had to bring on some new carriers. Uh, we had to pay a lot of expedite fees because really uh, we were expecting 
this crisis to be, let's say, longer and deeper. And um, some channels and parts of our market just came roaring back, and we had to supply it. And uh, customers were demanding tires. And uh, so coming out of Mexico was pretty challenging. Uh, we weren't able to do a lot of intermodal freight because uh, the, the transit times were too long. So we were really looking at lots of uh, full truckload freight coming out of Mexico. And uh, we had to bring on new carriers and um, uh, really look at our capacity constraints down there. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, even in uh, normal times before the pandemic, northbound traffic out of or northbound truckload out of out of Mexico was always challenging. Um, so I, I can imagine if you have any any shock to that system, how challenging it would be to, uh, to 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 find carriers and find capacity uh, where you could move move freight uh, northbound into Laredo and, and to the U.S. Yeah, and um, I mean, we have a lot of, uh, we're supplying a lot of original equipment out of our Mexican factory, and these, these shipments are often going direct to our um, OEM customers. And so, I mean, these are just-in-time shipments. You don't have a lot of uh, leeway to, to be a couple of days late. Uh, you have to be on time, and for that reason, uh, we started looking at more carriers, bringing in more carriers, and we're still looking to do that in the first quarter of this year to make sure that we have a good supply base of carriers coming out of Mexico. And we, we talk about, uh, you know, the, the modes, the shipping modes in these these international shipments uh, and capacity there. How has customs handle it and, and customs agents handled it? You has know, it, we really haven't delay? seen a whole. Yeah, we really haven't mm -hmm. seen a whole lot of delay with U.S. customs. That really hasn't been the bottleneck. And, um, you know, sometimes in the past it has been, but really that has not been the bottleneck that we've been seeing. So, so going forward, you know, you have these capacity challenges. What are some of the. The, the tough decisions, the difficult decisions, um, and maybe not, maybe finding out what the, the right decision is, and that's the difficult part of and the challenging part of it, um, because the, the, the data doesn't exist, or you're running on on little or no information, and it's just more of an instinctual feel because things are changing. What are some of those what have some of those decisions been like? Yeah, I mean, some of the decisions you're having to make are first of all. Um, you know, maybe you have a contractual rate with a carrier and they're saying we can't we can't supply uh, a trailer at that contractual rate anymore because that was a rate that was set pre-COVID. So, you know, you're having to go to spot rates, which are more expensive. Uh, maybe you're having to bring on carriers that you don't trust or you don't um, maybe have an issue, let's say, um, whether it's payment terms or something like that. So you're having to bring on maybe some carriers that don't are not perfect fit for your organization, but they've got some capacity and you've got to you know, you got to get a shipment. And, um, you know, when you're supplying to original equipment manufacturers, you know, you can't be late. Uh, they have production schedules that they have to meet. And, you know, your component is key to them making their production schedule and keeping their factories running. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we had the factory shutdowns about, uh, uh, you know, a little less than a year ago back in April, May, uh, and then ramp up production again, or really like at a hundred percent production back, just humming along. Like, um, I don't want to say like that didn't happen, but with no, um, no lagging effect right now. No, we're still having lagging effects. I mean, yeah, we're, we're north of 90%, um, capacity, but I mean, the issue is you're still having uh, labor call outs due to COVID. I mean, you know, contact tracing and things like that. So you're, you're not having all the workers that you need in many of the factories around the world. And, um, you know, when you've brought in new workers, you know, they're not as efficient as the, as the experienced workers that you have. So, 
um, you know, these are things that just, uh, you know, clog up the supply chain and um, you're not getting the 100% capacity that you need necessarily. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, labor and warehousing and, and, and workers because it's something that they handle there poorly as well. And when we were talking in you know, kind of like our pre-production uh, talk a couple of weeks ago, uh, you showed up with full PPE and uh, a little disappointed that, you, that you're not all PPE'd out uh, today as well. But what has been the challenges for you and what, what have you been going through uh, with, you know, with having a lot of people, you know, a lot of employees and warehousing and, and keeping them safe and, and doing the contact tracing and everything else that, that we need to do in COVID? Well, I mean, of course, during the 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 summer when when we were at the height of the crisis um there were lots of issues with you know there was stimulus money out there unemployment insurance and sometimes it was difficult to get more workers into the warehouse and it was a huge fear um now i mean you have people with the appropriate ppe in the warehouses and so forth but you still have people that are getting covid uh, while they're at home with their when they're with their family and friends and so you have these call outs and um, we have a lot of work in the warehouse that can be done by, let's say, unskilled temporary workers, but a lot of it can't. Um, I mean, our product's very specific. Like most industries, you're doing a lot of inventory inspections. Um, you have a lot of processes, procedures, systems that you just can't train to, uh, somebody. So these are things that when you're losing, you know, 10 people out of a warehouse and they're in key positions, it means that, uh, you know, you're losing throughput. Uh, things that should be taking a few hours are now taking a few days. And so these slow down your whole warehouse, uh, you know, uh, throughput. And this has been challenging at, at all of our locations. Um, you know, you have multiple local regulations that you have to follow, especially out in places like Southern California, state regulations on who can travel in. So it's even difficult for 3PL management to be moving between facilities and uh, helping out when you have a crisis someplace. So you, we've really been having to work very strongly with our 3PLs and making sure that they have the correct support from us as a customer uh, around uh, product support, uh, IT, things like that, and then being flexible, um, you know, maybe setting up some new rules, things like that, in order to make sure that we're servicing our customers, but also keeping our warehouse workers safe for our 3PL partners. Yeah, you, you mentioned your 3PL partners. How has that relationship uh changed or, or remained the same or what's the most important parts of it has that changed uh, the, the importance uh, of of you know certain segments of, of, of what they fill for you well I mean they're key I mean they're the ones that are um, warehousing our product and delivering product to our customers um, and um, you know we can't operate without them um, we have multi-year contracts like many companies do and you know we didn't write a whole section to deal with COVID. So a lot of things were dealt with on the fly. Um, you don't know how things are going to end up, but you know you got to get the work done. And so it's a lot of communication and a lot of, uh, you know, negotiation to make sure that the 3PLs are able to work and that you're getting the service out of them that you need to have. How's technology uh, helped you out in, in over the last 12 months and, and kind of what you know, going through this, what are some of your projections for, for technology and what would be uh, useful going forward that we can take out, out of this? Yeah, I mean, what we've learned is it's better to have automatic processes with systems rather than manual processes that require a, a large human element where you have to have training and, and so forth. 
Um, if you can do automated scanning and things like that, these are things that kind of foolproof the system and, and keep you from making mistakes and, and, and errors. Um, when you're doing a lot of manual processes, this requires training and requires having consistent people, a consistent workforce, which can be very challenging in this period. And then, you know, you mentioned IT and so forth. Uh, a lot of companies, uh, we've seen it in the news, uh, especially on your websites. I mean, there have been this rash of cyber attacks in the second half of the year. And let me be honest, these have hit our suppliers and our suppliers of suppliers and, uh, you know, companies that we all know. So this has been really challenging that, uh, you know, suddenly some of the basic things that you, we've learned to trust um, <laughs> over the last uh, decade or two decades around email and so forth, you know, suddenly we were having to go to manual procedures because maybe we had a cyber attack and we had to make sure that our systems weren't uh, infiltrated and, um, you know, we were, uh, you know, working with our suppliers to make sure systems were okay. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a, this is a challenging moment um, when you have to go back to procedures that uh, are, are manual and uh, on paper. So, uh, yeah, and uh, on cyber attacks, uh, were, were there any, any instances uh, of whenever your, your suppliers or your vendors uh, got hit that created a backlog for for Pirelli that you had to deal with as well because you no no we were able to get through everything with when one of our um, you know suppliers suppliers got hit and uh, you know you just go to backup systems uh, backup emails and um, you know you work through it um, we didn't have any failures to our customers mm -hmm. and um, you know it was challenging but um, I know that a lot of other companies in many different industries were facing the same types of challenges uh, during that period. Did it did it throw a, kind of a, a a backlog into this into your inventory level? So because you, maybe you couldn't ship goods and no, um, no, okay, no. Um, basically, we've come out of this uh, crisis, um, you know, with much higher demand uh, in some channels than than we were ever expecting. So there was no backlog on inventory. In fact. We, we're still, you know, running short on 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 things that we need for our customers and uh, supply chains in automotive and especially in tires right now are very tight. Um, most manufacturers are facing the same challenges that we are to varying degrees, and it means that uh, the the um, in this segment of the economy uh, things are, are roaring back, and um, um, that means that uh, you know. It means that we're pushing a lot, putting a lot of pressure on our manufacturing capacity to get as much product out as we can. And I guess some of that that tightness extends all the way upstream to procuring raw materials. I imagine that's been a, a challenge. Yeah, that's something um, I really haven't been addressing um, since I've been back here at Pirelli. But um, yeah, I mean, raw materials—it's the basis of—and you know, we have things like natural rubber, synthetic rubber, textile, steel. I mean, these are the main components uh, that go into tires. Yeah. So uh, when we go uh, switch back to, to, to ocean carriers and, and kind of those transatlantic uh, shipments, we, we talk I, I talk all the time about Trans-Pacific, um, you know, out of Asia into the to the West Coast. Uh, you know, how's capacity? How I mean, I, I know you say it's very very tight. How's it compared to to Trans-Pacific? Uh, to, to give us a kind of a, a benchmark, is it? Is that those transatlantic uh, ocean carriers and in, in, in shipments and voyages? Yeah, we've seen reduced sailings and um, often things coming out of, let's say, Eastern Europe and Russia 
require transshipments that maybe you don't see on the Pacific side, but on the Atlantic, you know, something gets transshipped somewhere in the Mediterranean or in Spain, someplace like that. So we we're talking about labor and warehousing just a, a couple seconds ago. Though there's also, you know, and labor is talent. Uh, but when we really talk about talent, I mean, how's the search for talent uh, with within the supply chain going uh, during 2021? You know, I, I know everyone's talking about supply chain. It's become really sexy these days. Uh, how's the search for talent been for you? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people never heard the term supply chain uh, one year ago, and now mm-hmm. everybody's heard it. Um, and I think maybe some of the rules that we had from the past in supply chain have now changed. So really, it's key for most organizations to have more and better supply chain talent in the organization. So it's not just in the warehouses and, and uh, you know driving the trucks. We also have a demand in the industry, and specifically at Pirelli, for better supply chain talent. And so um, you know, I'm always on the search to add some more key people, talented people to the organization. Always someone to, to, to handle the data, right? There's always data. Handle the and data, make crunch. decisions, get Making to know suppliers, decisions. get to know customers. I mean, this yeah. is what supply chain is all about. It really is. You know, John, thank you again for all, for, your, for your time. Uh, how does our audience reach out and, and contact you and learn more about Pirelli and, and maybe some supply chain uh, positions? Yeah, uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm always there, and I look forward to hearing from people that maybe have questions or comments of, about what we're doing here. And, Kevin, once again, thanks for having me on. It's always great to talk to you. You're a great resource in the industry. Thank you, John. It's always great to talk to you, too. Uh, you're the market intelligence that, that I get to uh, to draw from, from and uh, and go out and, and, and speak it to the world. So that, thank you very much. And, uh, and again, John Godfrey from Pirelli Cards.